and we're excited about what God's doing here. So a lot of you know about six months ago, uh, uh, I got together with uh, Cliff, who's here this morning. I'm going to do some later and and talked about uh, some changes in my life and uh, some things we wanted to see in the, in the church. And uh, and I asked him, you know, any, any young guy that's uh, got a lot of energy and excited about ministry and reaching people that uh, might want to come come alongside me for a while and then with the idea of handing off the uh, the helm to him and uh, I'll be there as support but uh, to let the, the you know the next generation carry the torch forward is one thing that can happen is uh, we can hang on to the torch too long and uh, and I think I was talking to Harry about that that there's some churches where everybody's old and there's no young and what happens when the old die the church dies and I remember a church in Anacortes, I watched it die, and it turned into an antique store. Can you believe that? I drove by the church. It's an antique store. The church is never meant to be an antique store. It's something that's vital and, and moving ahead and, and is uh, pertinent to every generation. And 100 years from now, when we're all gone, should the Lord tarry, there's going to be a whole other group of people in here with new visions and new ideas and new dreams about how to reach the world for Jesus Christ and how to live in community. And uh, I remember I was an old Jesus freak. We thought we had it figured out back in the 60s, didn't we, Cliff? You know, we played guitars and drums, and, uh, you know, and, the, and the old people said, what's going on? You know, you can't have drums in church. Anybody remember when you couldn't have drums in church? You know that, Willie? They didn't allow drums in church. You know, that was from the devil. And Larry Norman wrote a song, Why Should the Devil Have All the Good Music? You know, and, and, and we brought you know, music and celebration into, into the church. And, and that's the way the church has gone for 2,000 years. Paul handing off to Timothy. Timothy handing off to somebody else. And here we are in 2015 almost, continuing that same tradition of allowing the next generations to continue on in and hopefully gaining some of the wisdom from those who have been around a while and mixing that with the zeal. So this morning, uh, this kind of service between Christmas and New Year, uh, I know there's a lot of people that are gone because it's holidays, but you're here. And this morning we're here to, uh, to make that transition. I talked about the church being a ship and uh, the pastor's kind of at the home, and everybody's on the ship. That's why they call it fellowship, and everybody has different tasks to do. And the pastor kind of casts the vision and, and navigates, but it's all the people on the ship that make it, make it work. And uh, I've been at the helm, and I'm handing the helm off to a Pastor David, but I reminded us a few uh, months ago that there's someone else on the ship, and it's Jesus I love that picture of a young man sailing a ship, and over his shoulder is Jesus pointing and, and, and guiding. So over this whole thing, it's, it's, it's a God thing. So, so we're going to go through kind of a, uh, I guess you call it an installation ceremony, but it's really just a passing of the torch and, uh, and a celebration. And uh, I think a lot of you know David's been involved in ministry for a long time. Uh, for a guy that's 26, he started like, you know, when you were young and youth and kids and and worship and um, you know pastoral ministries and 
and he's proven himself to be able to take on those leadership roles. And um, now at Cedar Lowley, instead of those roles, it'll be a role as a lead pastor, which is is an is a privilege and also an awesome responsibility. Uh, but I'm convinced, and uh, and so are the elders of uh, CTK, that David has the stuff to to do that. Uh, he's proven himself in the other ministries he's been involved in, and this is just the next step in in your growth, David. And uh, and as we, as we prepare to set you apart as a shepherd of this body of believers, we, Cliff and I both wanted to just take a few minutes to kind of talk about what it means to be a pastor, what it means to be a congregation, because they go together. And um, and particularly, what does it mean to be a pastor of a, of a, a CTK church? Because churches are different, and they all have different visions and goals, and, and we're, we have our unique set. Um, so just kind of speaking to David and everybody, um, when you think about pastoring, one of the most important things that I can think of uh, I've been a pastor about 40 years now, and um, there's times when you're sailing a ship that storms come along. There's times where you get discouraged. There's times where you wonder, am I really supposed to be doing this? Those times will come. And when those times come, you got to go back to your calling. That moment in time where you knew God called you to do what you're doing, whatever you're doing. In particular for pastors, in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it says Christ himself gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry so the body of Christ may be built up. Christ calls people into ministry. And particularly in the pastoral ministry, they ask about your calling. John, you've been a pastor. You know about the calling. I remember when I was just a young guy, actually younger than David, I felt a call into the ministry. You don't just decide, I had to think, oh, it would be a good thing to be a pastor. There's a moment in time where God grabs your heart and you can't do anything else. And he speaks to your heart and says, I want you to be a pastor. And I remember that day. And David, I remember that moment, those times where you knew that God's saying, you're going to be a pastor, son. Because those times where you get discouraged, those times where you wonder, am I really doing what I'm supposed to do? You go back to that calling. And many times over 40 years, I, I wondered, and God says, remember the call. Remember I called you. And so, David, remember, remember that calling. Christ called pastors to do something, to equip the saints. The interesting word about that equip, it's really a, a nautical term about outfitting a ship to go sailing. Some of you have been on sailing boats. Some of you have been on the big ships. It takes a lot of work to get a big sailing ship ready to go. And the pastor's calling is called to help you get your ships ready to sail through life and the ship of this church to sail through the work that God has for it. So there's the challenge. But remember, always go back to your calling when you wonder in those quiet moments, am I really doing what God wants? And you say, yeah, I remember that time. Put a stake in the ground, and, that, and that'll help you uh, to get through those storms. So a couple of things I, I want to remind you of. Uh, I, I charge you to keep the main thing the main thing. 
after 40 years of ministering, if somebody came up to me, a young pastor, said, what can you tell me? What, what can you tell me about pastoring that you've gleaned? And I would say and tell you two things. If you do these two things, everything else will fall in place. Love God and love people. Just two things. I think it's amplified in the cross. If you look at the cross, there's the, the vertical beam that points up to heaven, love God, and then there's the horizontal beams, love people. And it's out of your love for God that you get a love for people. Someone said the depth or the, or the breadth of your ministry, the impact of your ministry is directly proportional to the depth of your relationship with Christ. You can't give with you don't have. So loving God is your number one priority. Stay close to him. Walk in fellowship with him. Go to him. And in that love for Christ and that he will spread his love abroad in your heart to flow out to love others with love, acceptance, and forgiveness, extending it to people. Because basically, love God, love people. And that's what Jesus modeled, wasn't it? He loved the Father, but he loved the people. The woman by the well, divorced, living with the guy, he loved her. The woman caught in adultery, he loved her. The blind beggar, the Zacchaeus rich guy up in a tree, he loved, he loved, he loved. And that love flowed out of his love for the Father. So develop your relationship of love with Jesus, and out of that, you will have a relationship of love with those around you. And then I charge you to create an authentic Christian community that effectively reaches out to unchurched people. That's what Christ the King is about. Our mission is to reach out to unchurched, because right outside these walls are thousands of people who are headed for eternity without Christ. And we may be the only thing standing in the gap between them and that place without God. So we have a huge responsibility. And our mission statement says two things, and it's a, it's a juggling act. It's a, a teeter-totter, if you will. One side says we're to build uh, an authentic Christian community. That's us, learning how to love each other, learning how to give to each other. We build that authentic community. And, and the second thing says we're supposed to reach out. So how do you build community and reach out at the same time? And the challenge is you do both. Because scripturally, Jesus said, go therefore in all the world and do what? Make disciples. Where to go? The church isn't a museum. The church is to go. But it also said, not only are we to, to go out and make disciples, but we're to what? Jesus said, by this the world will know you are my disciples because you what? Love one another. So the balancing is we have to create authentic community. And out of that authentic community, we can go out. Because if the community is not authentic, you're not going to reach the world. Because the world doesn't want anything to do with phoniness. There's too much of that in the world. But when someone from the world comes in contact with a small group of people who, who love Jesus and love each other, they lean into that and they go, wow. And either they jump in or they step back 
but they have to notice because of that authentic community. So, David, the challenge is going to be to to build authentic community here while at the same time reaching out to the community there. And if you keep that balance and keep authentic community, uh, the outgrowth of that will be reaching that community. Read about the early church. They loved each other. And the Lord added to the church. And, and keep it simple. You know, we try to keep things simple at Christ the King. Three priorities, worship, outreach, and small groups. Worship not just on Sunday morning, but worship as a lifestyle. Just let your life reflect Jesus and walk in relationship with him every day. It's a lifestyle. And then keep those pointed out. The tendency for churches is to get turned inward and look at our stuff and care about our things and, and our programs. We want to always have the arrows out. And small groups, small groups is where it happens. When you're in those small groups, that's where you get to know people. That's where you get to practice authentic community. So you want to do that. And, and the fourth thing and the last charge is guard your first loves. You remember in Revelation, the book of Revelation, just says, in the church of Laodicea, Jesus said, I have one thing against you. You've left what? Your first love. It's so easy to get caught up in the machinery and the doing of ministry that you can walk away from those first loves. And the challenge is never let the machinery and, and the maintenance and the running of, uh, of a church distract you away from those first loves. Keep them as a priority. And your first love is your Lord. We talked about that. Put Jesus first. And then your, then your wife, Shana, your wife and your, and your children. And then the church. And if you nurture your relationship with the Lord, nurture your relationship with your wife, nurture your relationship with your children, and have a relationship with your church in that order, you'll stay healthy. But you've got to nurture it. It doesn't just happen. And it'll take Sean out for a date. Guard your time of refreshing because we need it. One of the things about a lot of pastors, I know they're type A. They just go, 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 go. And, uh, and I knew a pastor who, who burned out because he didn't stop to do those things. And somebody said, well, I'd rather burn out than rust out. Well, either way, you're out, right? <laughs> and, and the bottom line is you've got to take time to be with the Lord. You've got to take time to be with your wife. Kids, they're coming. Isn't that right, John? <laughs> Anytime. And, and keep those priorities. And if you do that, then... Uh, you're going to be on the right track. But bottom line, love God, love people. Let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. He'll give you wisdom. And he'll help you lead your congregation. So, David, I'd like you to come on up here. And um, I'm going to put you on the right over here so somebody can stare at you. <laughs> or you can stay right there, brother. So I have a few questions I need to ask David, and and um, the first one is: With God and this congregation as your witness, do you solemnly commit yourself to the task of being the pastor of CTK Cedarwood? I do. 
Do you commit to continuing development of an authentic Christian community here that effectively reaches out to unchurched people with love, acceptance, and forgiveness? Do you commit to keep the activities of this church body centered around the simple priorities of worship, outreach, and small groups? Do you commit to investing time and energy in those most important relationships with your Lord, your wife, your children, so that nothing will hinder your effectiveness as a pastor? Because uh, David's taking the step of faith and commitment to to serve this body, uh, we're going to... uh, Pray for him now. Uh, I'd like any small group leaders, ministry directors, men's group leaders, anybody who's involved in any kind of leadership role, come on up and uh, let's have you right here. And let's gather around David and Jerry and everybody, anybody that is going to be on that team with him. And I'm also going to ask Shauna, can you make it up here? <laughs> Yeah. And I'm going to ask Cliff to come up, too. He's going to speak in a minute, but I want you to pray, too. Um, we're going to lay hands on David and Shauna. And laying on hands is something in the Bible that kind of used to set people apart for a special purpose in, uh, in commission. When they sent the disciples, uh, Paul and Barnabas, out, they laid hands on them and prayed for them. And... Um, so what I'm going to do, and also I'm going to anoint them with oil. Oil just kind of signifies that God's uh, uh, special touch on them. And I'll just ask you to pray along. And um, you can kind of extend your hands out this direction, too, as we pray. I'll get my oil open here. So let's pray. Lord, right now, we thank you for David and Shauna. Thank you for this young family. Thank you for this young man and his wife who have it on their heart to minister and be part of leading a congregation that's going to be authentic and real and also reach out to this community. We thank you that a child is on the way anytime, and we pray for him even before he arrives that you would watch over him and be with Shauna during this delivery time. And we're excited for them. Lord, thank you for David's uh, leadership that he's shown over these years in various ministries. And now as he comes to the helm of Sudowoli Christ the King, we ask your anointing on him. As I've anointed them with oil, we pray you anoint them with your Holy Spirit. And, And give him wisdom, God. Give him understanding. Give him strength. Give him health in his body. And, Lord, we are so thankful for this couple who who we're handing the, the torch off to, who their generation can, along with our generation, blended together, we can reach out and make a difference in this community for Jesus Christ. So we thank you for our brother. Thank you for his wife, Shauna, and we thank you for bringing them here to us. And we ask your blessing on them both. In Christ's name, and everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Now it's my uh, privilege to introduce um, Chris, uh, Chris, Cliff. Is it Chris? It's, it's Cliff, yeah. 
Sam, I'm getting old, Cliff. Yeah. Uh, he is, some of you know him as pastor of uh, Mount Vernon uh, CTK, but also you may not know this, but we do have a CTKs all across America, and somebody needs to look after all the pastors, so he is the National Director of Pastors in America. Uh, we actually have a church over in Florida, if you're ever there. And uh, so part of Cliff's job is to uh, oversee all the CTK pastors in America. And he's going to speak to you a little bit about uh, responsibility of the congregation, because it's two of us together that make it work. Thank you, George. Uh, <laughs> oh, it is good to be here. It is an honor to be here. And um, I have the chance that to, uh, like John said, uh, have this terrific role of being able to install different Christ the King pastors across the United States. And I've had a chance to do it with uh, guys who come out of business backgrounds, guys who, who have been really kind of honestly had their lives blown up and destroyed, and then God starts putting them back together and demonstrates he's not done with them yet and brings them back into ministry and, uh, and, and people of all kinds of different ages. So it's, it's a neat thing to be able to see you guys here have a unique role, and it's one that I think is more and more important for our church and even Christ the King as, a, as an organization, as a network of churches is to say, God, who's next? Who, you know, who are the Timothys? Who can we raise up? Who can we support? Because as we look around uh, the landscape of uh, churches, even in Christ the King, um, it, it pains me to say that I'm not a spring chicken anymore, you know? And neither is Dave, as I remind him. And, and we've talked about the fact that, you know, God's got to bring up, uh, raise up leaders, and we need to be supportive of that, of that process also. The, the, I, I love looking at this group of people right now because this is a great multi-generational group. I mean, from young people to, to old people, uh, I won't mention that the ones who have to be by the fireplace at all. Uh, but what a great deal to see, <laughs> to see that and to see the difference in the generations because that really is how God's designed it. I, I always feel a little disappointment when I walk into churches that are um, all one age or all another, like John was talking about, the, the aged ones. And honestly, I've been to some that you look around and you go, where's the wisdom? I don't see hardly any gray hair here. And uh, that's disappointing. That's not the way God's designed it either. He's designed it to be like a family. And uh, so it's neat to see that here. I have a, an especially unique role here because of my relationship with David. Uh, I've not had that uh, as extensively with anybody else that we've installed as a pastor at Christ the King. And that's because we worked together for pretty close to five years, wasn't it, David? Something like that. Um, and uh, so I... I know a fair amount about David, and I'm going to disclose it to you this morning, okay? Um, I know this about him. I know that he does have a desire to do good. That's his heart's desire. And, uh, and he has a love for the Lord and a love for others. And that's the great commission that John was talking about that Jesus said is what we've got to be about. He definitely has a heart for fulfilling the great, uh, the great commandment in that way. And the Great Commission, he has a heart to be discipled and to make disciples. Uh, he's been involved in that process with people and engaging it, saying, what does that look like? How do we do that better? He desires to see that in the church. 
he's willing to learn and to listen. So I encourage you to uh, to uh, to be able to talk to him about issues so that he has a chance to be able to uh, to hear what you have to say. Uh, you all probably already know how creative he is, how uh, capable and proficient he is at uh, carrying out different tasks in ministry. Sometimes that's awesome because he can do a lot of different things. That's also dangerous at times because he can do a lot of different things. And then the tendency might be for you all not to do things you could do uh, to help out. And you might even need at times to one of the greatest instructions I had as a young pastor at one point, I thought I was doing the right thing. I was picking up chairs and everything else. And, uh, and I had a guy from my church come alongside of me who was uh, a little wiser than I was who said, um, I can get the chairs. I said, I know that, I know that, but I can too, you know, and, 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 uh, and I wanted to demonstrate I was a servant leader, so I was picking up the chairs, and he said, you see those people over there? They need somebody to talk to them. I can't do that well. I can pick up chairs. And I went, oh, it was great wisdom given to me by somebody who got it that, hey, I got a role I can play, you got a role you can play, and didn't mind telling me what that role uh, ought to be. Uh, David's willing to seek counsel. Uh, I know that part of, just so you understand, part of the way that we work at Christ the King, we are a pastor-led uh, organization, so we expect our pastors to lead the churches and lead them well, but we also require that they have a council, people that they can get some wisdom from that uh, generally are uh, not the same, all the same age they are, and they look to do that on both sides of that spectrum. And so uh, I think John had to scrounge around looking for younger people. Uh, now David's going to have to scrounge around looking for older people. So, uh, but people that you can have, that you can lean on and get counsel from and wisdom from. I also know that he's willing to be accountable, and that is a requirement of the pastors at Christ the King Church as well. David has to provide for us and accountability. Here's how I am accountable and who, my, who I am accountable to so that we can be comfortable. And he's also accountable to other pastors in the network so that you know that. He, he meets with pastors in the area who have now taken on the responsibility of being willing to ask him the hard questions, you know, about how, his, how things are going, how his life is going, how his walk is going with the Lord, and those kinds of things. And he'll be expected to be accountable that way as well and to present a plan saying, here's how I'm doing things. And after working with David for five years, here's something else I know about him. He has the ability to be able to be wrong. He won't always be right. He just won't be. And that should be a comfort to most of you because I think you fall into the same category as do I. And um, so, so he's not going to do everything right. And because he's young, and this is the piece that is unique for you guys, is that here you got an opportunity to be able to build into somebody's life. In some ways, it's harder. In some ways, it's harder because you're encouraging somebody who's young who will make mistakes. I mean, we all do. Believe me, I have had to apologize to my congregation more than once, and it really bothers me to have to do that. But you have to man up and go, okay, you know what? I, I screwed that up, man. I need, to, I need to let them know. I'm sorry about that. I, I didn't want to do that, but I did do that. And there will be times that David will do that, and he will not even be intentional about it, but he'll still manage to do it. And at that point, you know, when, is, is when, when you'll find out, hey, we got a young guy, but he's, and he's going to make some mistakes, but you know what? We're going to support him. We're going to help him grow in that. We're going to help him see a bigger picture, and we're going to walk with him through that. But I also know this about him. When he does, he's willing to ask forgiveness. He's willing to be sorry for it, because I've seen that firsthand. So uh, that's one of the reasons I can support this and be excited about it. So that's kind of a little bit about what I know about David.
um, I just want to also, now I want to, I want to shift it. I want to say, hey, what is your responsibility? What's your role in this? Because you do have one. And I believe your role is to invest, invest in him. And do you know an investment? There's a cost there, isn't there? There's, a, there's something that you are putting out in an investment. And I, I think you need to invest in him. And when you invest in him and his family, you're investing in the body here in the family of Christ. That's what you're really doing. You do that by supporting him, by encouraging him, by praying for him, his family, the church family here that God will bring people in. You do that by speaking truth to him. If you have issues, if you have concerns, if you have the other things that you go to him and say, hey, hey, can I just share this with you? And once you do that, once you share your concerns with him and, and, and what you, whatever it is that's on your heart, then, you offer, then you've offered him the opportunity to be able to respond to that, to lead well with that, to listen to that, and you can now let it go and go, okay, I'm no longer responsible before God. Until then, you're responsible before God for anything that you feel that way because that's the way he's designed it. Remember Matthew 18 where God says, here's how it works. If you have something against a brother or that's not working well, you go to the brother. And you talk to him. You don't talk to other people. You don't do that. You go to the brother first. And if they don't listen, then you go and you bring, a, bring somebody else who's responsible. And there's a very easy protocol, procedure that Jesus put in place to make sure that his family would operate the way that he's designed them to. So you speak truth to him. You forgive him because he won't always be right. And you love him. And that's the big one. And if you really love him, you're willing to do all the rest of them. And so that's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to give you a little bit of background and talk about the part you have to play. And then I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to ask you four questions that you will have an opportunity to respond to, each one individually, uh, making a commitment yourself to be part of the family here and to encourage the next step that God is bringing us to. John mentioned Ephesians 4, chapter, uh, I mean, chapter 4, uh, verse 11, where it talks about God giving to the church, apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and that the whole idea is to prepare, to equip the saints to minister. I like I liked the way that you laid it out, John, with the ship and stuff. I hadn't never heard that fellowship thing, and we're all part of a ship. That's good, man. I'll have to use that sometime. Uh, so it's David's role, it's his job before God to help support you in that, to help prepare you for service, to challenge you to serve, to challenge you to be engaged and use your gifts in the way that God's designed and created you to, because he has uniquely designed and created every single person in here today to do something specific for him, each one of you. And he loves the way he's created you. He loves the way he's designed you to be able to carry out what he's called you to do in his body right here. You all have a, heart, a part to play in it. And so as we think about that, if you're willing to say this morning, I'm willing to play my part. I'm willing to look to God to say, God, what is that part? How do you want me to play it? But I'm willing to play my part in this. Then I'm going to just, I'm going to ask you to stand right now, and I'm going to ask you four questions that, as I said, you can respond to each one of them individually. Uh, by saying I do or we do or uh, Yahoo, I don't care which, but uh, uh, whatever it is. So, here we go. Will you strive to be devoted to worshiping God as a lifestyle, to reaching out to the unchurched and caring for others through small groups? Congregation, what is your answer? Thank you. Do you now commit to receive David Lawler as 
the pastor of this church, and will you support his work with prayer, with friendship, with energy, with time, with finances? What is your answer? Could you say that again a little louder? There we go. Okay. Will you submit to David's leadership in a way that will make his tasks a joy rather than a burden? Your answer? Yes. And will you allow David's family to be a high priority in his life? Will you offer Shauna the same love, acceptance, and forgiveness that all others in this congregation would receive? Yes. Lord, thank you for this group of people. Thank you that you have called them to this place and this time. Thank you for their commitment to be part of your family, your body here in Cedra Woolley. Lord, we pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit on these people, on the work that you've called them to. We pray for people to find this place and find Jesus because they found this place. We pray for a renewed sense of determination to follow you and be about your business. We pray, God, that you would bring your blessing over top of the people here, that you would minister to them, that you would bring your emotional, your spiritual, even your physical healing where you want it, Lord. We pray that you would have it your way. And thank you that this group of people are determined to follow you in that way, to lift you up in that way. We pray for David and Shauna, Lord, in in, in their role here, that they would be honored, that they would be trusted, that they would be spoken to, that they would be honest, and that as a family, Lord, the honesty and the love and the support and the encouragement that you would provide would be something that would be noticed even by the community as people come in. Thank you for that. And now, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may have a seat. And would you welcome with me uh, for just a few remarks your pastor, David Lawler. When you put multiple pastors in a room, um, they take a lot of time, and that leaves you with only a few moments. So I'm going to try and keep my piece really short um, because I'll get to continue to talk to you. So I'm going to, to the best of my ability, make this short. Um, John and Cliff both uh, brought up Ephesians uh, chapter 4, and I love the book of Ephesians. Um, It's the book on identity. It's the the church that that, uh, Paul loved dearly. And I think uh, we have a lot of similarities. And in chapter 4, the the core theme before Paul gives them the charge in verse 11 and verse 12, it opens up by acknowledging this whole passage is for the desire for the unity in the body of Christ. Now, both of these men are are a little older than me. Not not much, I promise. But, But old enough to to have more experiences, have more wisdom, have, have more uh, time in ministry. Um, and so I just want to acknowledge that as they have acknowledged uh, that you guys need the young guy. I appreciate that. I'm grateful for that. I've sat in circles and meetings where that's not acknowledged and that's not cared for because we change a lot of things. We do. I acknowledge that. We change a lot of things. We look at things differently but I'm grateful for those of you who are embracing this transition. I want you to know, as we transition here as of today, I believe we need the older guy. I do. 
I strongly believe that. And as Cliff mentioned uh, about a council, I've been working on asking some of the men here in our church who are older than me to be that council, who I would be accountable to. And they're praying about that. And and as we go into the new year, I'm not going to go into this alone because I don't believe I have everything right. I believe it takes all of us. And I know we've made changes and there's some things that have gone about over, the, over this transition that, that maybe you don't like those changes or that's been a little difficult. You've seen people come and go, and I know that's a real challenge, and that's hard to also look at in the midst of transition. But my heart's desire is that we would grow together in unity as the body of Christ, as Paul commissions the early church in Ephesians to be, to be the early church that would be unified. And so I I believe unity is absolutely critical because it's the only way we can be on mission. Because when the church lacks unity, the church lacks mission. When the church lacks unity, the church lacks mission. I heard a really good uh, speech by an older guy. um, And one of the things he said was this, um, when the church lacks that unity, it also will lack its mission. And it's believing the lie that it's okay for us to be at church together while unwilling to be church together. And so as we go into a new year in a new season, my prayer for us, one, is that we would be a church of prayer and that we would do so desiring unity in the body so we could live out the mission, both of our church and that and how that then trickles to the mission of the Bible and how they interweave in unity together, and how we can interweave in unity together. Now, here's what I I do believe is true, and I promise I'm going to try and keep this still short, but thank you for sticking around a little longer. The Seahawks don't play for two. Not yet, so no pregame yet. You're good. But being a young pastor is not always an exciting thing. In fact, there's a website called expastors.com. And in one of the sections of their site, they talk about being a young pastor. And the statistics are really scary. It says that 50% of young pastors under 30 will leave ministry after a year. Not just that location, they'll leave church completely. 83% of them say they struggle with depression, feeling that they reach out for the help of the old guy, but they do make too many changes And so they walk through that alone, continuing to try and do ministry on their own. And so they isolate and they have depression. 62% of them struggle with pornography. 91% of them, their marriage is one of the worst in the church. And these are things when men struggle by believing it was about them coming in and them building the church. And I want you to know, as we go into 2015, I have no desire to be a statistic. No desire. And I don't believe that it's about me or that it's on me. And so my my desire, as we looked at Ephesians 4, chapter, or chapter, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, is that we would all work together. And I have no desire to approach things as though I am right. And if I have, I am sorry. And I want to continue to have that posture. I never want to come across as the young guy who gets it and the old guy doesn't. And so as we continue on into this new year, 
My desire is that it's all about Jesus. More than anything, it's all about Jesus. That, that our church mission statement wouldn't just be something on a program that we easily forget, but that when we look at what it means to create authentic Christian community that effectively reaches out with love, acceptance, and forgiveness, that we would do those things desiring unity in the body and unity between us and Jesus. And so as we go into this new year, that is, that is more my prayer than anything is unity. Unity between, between us, unity between uh, us and Jesus, and unity in our community. And so I just want to close this morning out by praying. We're going to sing one last song. But I just want to pray for us uh, as we go out from here into a new season and a new year. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you this morning for the support. Lord, I pray that, that with this opportunity given, that, Lord, I would continue to hold it with an open hand. That, Lord, in, in the New Testament, we read that, that Jesus specifically says that he came so that we would know the Father. And so, Lord, I pray that as we, as we go into a new year, into a new season, that it would be all about you, Jesus, because you are the one who has set us free from a pattern of sin so that we may know the Father. And so, Lord, we just commit this time to you. Lord, I thank you for those here that are, that are faithful, that are continuing on. And Father, I pray that you would just provide a, a covering for our church, Lord, as we desire in the new year to reach this community. May it be for you. May you bring light into this dark world. And God, it's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen.